Welcome to the Optimized Pharmacy Podcast, where we discuss strategies to grow your pharmacy, tools to accelerate that growth, and how top pharmacies are executing and winning. All right, first one. Um, for those of you that are listening for the first time, maybe even going back uh, months later, maybe you've, you've heard of one of our more recent podcasts and you're just going back to hear the original story. Uh, my name is Chris Roll. I'm the CEO of Growth Farm. I'm joined here, if you're watching us, with the visual portion uh, with my co-host, Logan Morse. Uh, Logan is a PharmD. I'll do a quick introduction for him. He's a PharmD, uh, went to Paris State University, so he's, he's in Michigan. Um, pharmacy consultant for Growth Farm. So we've been working together for a couple of years. We'll kind of get into that in this episode. Um, director of special projects at Keystone Compounding Pharmacy as well. So he wears a lot of hats um, and you'll probably learn of all the special projects that Logan is juggling, um, but super excited to be doing the podcast with you, man. Awesome. Yeah, no, super excited. I think I think there's going to be so many viewers that are going to get, get like, just a, it's going to be like Christmas for them. Um, and so hopefully this podcast really brings that across, um, you know, what are the few like reasons why, why you'd say we're starting this, Chris? Yeah, I'd say partially you, um, you know, you, I think you've been pretty adamant about like, we should do a podcast. I think, um, you know, one of your great qualities is like always eagerness to like try something, you know, I'd say I'm in that category for sure, but, um, you're definitely, uh, a driving force behind starting this podcast, but I think. It made sense the more I thought about it and the more we discussed it, because I think for us, especially at Growth Farm and all the clients that we get to serve, uh, you know, we learn a lot from our clients. And I think there's also a big part of pharmacy that, and, and this isn't just pharmacy, but you see this in other industries as well, where they kind of like gatekeep information. You know, like there's some things that people definitely are vocal about, like do this, do that, um, which is great. Um, sometimes I think that advice although well-intentioned, um, doesn't have all the pieces of the puzzle. And so I hope that, especially with our marketing you know, arm of what we do, and we're really involved with the execution with our clients, we can kind of pull back the curtains a little bit more. And so when you hear about like, you should do X, we can kind of talk to you more about like all the pieces that go into that, not just from like a paperwork and you know all the kind of like legalities of it, but more so like, how do you get a customer for that? Like, how do you keep that customer? How do you keep that customer coming back? How can you increase the value of that customer and make it harder for your competition to take that customer from you? I think we can provide that perspective probably better than anyone else in the space, um, or at least I'd like to think so, and we'll continue to try to prove that. But that's what this podcast is really going to be about, taking hopefully the, the lessons that we've learned, the lessons that our clients have learned, that they've kind of passed on to us, and making that information a little bit more available than just going to a trade show or, you know, things like that. And I think one thing I've also noticed in this space is there's definitely a big crowd that goes to trade shows, but there's a lot of also, you know, if you will, silent killers in the space, like the, the individuals that run pharmacies that do very well, that don't go to trade shows, but we've had the opportunity to work with as clients. And so if your sole source of information is, is these trade shows, which again are great, there's some stuff that people are doing that are very, very successful that probably don't make it to, to trade shows. And so you wouldn't know about it. Right. Um, and so right. I think it's kind of that element as well uh, is, you know, ultimately what I want this podcast to be about. And as much as possible, I think to, and the both of us, um, 
have a lot of conversations offline about this, but taking examples and lessons that we see in other industries and applying them to pharmacy. Cause I know when we kind of get into the story of like how we got to know each other, that was a big part of growth farm story. And a big part of our beginnings was outside strategies, other industries, other business models, and then saying, what if that worked in pharmacy? Oh, absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think taking so many of those different concepts, uh, can be really crucial, especially if you can just take that framework and, and break it down step by step and then put that into a process and then, you know, attempt to try it and go, you know, a hundred percent into it. Um, you know, it's amazing. Even if, even if you're a barber, you can take that concept of what that barber is doing into your pharmacy. Um, so I, yeah, no, hundred percent agree there. Yeah, totally. So, we, you know, obviously you're CEO of growth farm, you know, where did that really start? Uh, you know, what is growth farm per se in that aspect? Yeah. So I, it started, you could say, you know, when I was a child, like in some ways, like, I'm not gonna be like cheesy in that sense, but you know, uh, for those of you that don't know, and you probably don't, if you listen to this podcast, it's part of the reason why we did create it, right. It's, uh, you know, to help get our voice a little bit more out there. But, um, my dad owns a couple of pharmacies up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, so I grew up in an independent family pharmacy, you know, for a long time. Um, he's had those pharmacies pretty much my entire life. I remember getting dropped off, uh, at the bus, you know, from the bus to his pharmacy growing up. Um, and then he's obviously changed locations and opened up other stores and, you know, expanded, you know, substantially since, since those days. But, um, that's where a lot of it stemmed from. Um, I didn't realize that my dad's pharmacies were as successful where they were at, as they, uh, I didn't realize that they were as successful as they are until I got more into the space. And I kind of started to understand like industry averages and standards. Uh, and so a lot of my, like, I'd say early college into like post-college was working with my dad's pharmacy in different capacities for marketing. Uh, we did a lot of stuff for them, trying to grow their front end. Uh, and that could have just been, you know, kind of gifts and stuff like that. They're pretty unique that they have quite a like front end from like gifts and shopping kind of perspective, more so than just like knickknacks. So we sure. did a lot with that, that did really, really well. I'll never forget, we had like one campaign, it was during like the holiday season and he had like these new like bracelets that came in and they were, you know, kind of cute. And I think we spent like $50 in Facebook ads and they sold like over a thousand dollars worth of these little oh, wow. bracelets. And it was like, kind of like one of those first moments, like, you know, probably like 2016, something like that, where it was like, um, okay, we can kind of figure out some marketing stuff, you know, with like Facebook ads and things like that. Marketing's evolved a lot beyond that, but that's where I started to get a little bit more involved with him in terms of like, what are you doing? What are you trying to grow? Why are you trying to grow it? And then right before I actually moved to Austin, where I live now, um, is where we got into deeper conversation about just like pharmacy as a whole. Um, you know, he was talking a lot about you know, kind of DAR fees and shrinking margins just on the prescription side. There's a big desire to grow his OTC side. And so that's where we started implementing a kind of health coaching program. We called it like a six week transformation program. Um, it was essentially a concept that, like we mentioned earlier, we learned from a, a different space. So this was commonly run in the gym space and was really good for lead generation, for getting people interested to sit down and talk about their health. And so for about four or five months, I worked with my dad's staff, just like hopping on Zoom calls and writing out, um, I mean, everything from scripts to, um, you know, the emails that would go out to the customers, to the customer resources when they signed up to the program, to what did the back end packages look like, to what did the phone script? I mean, it was like 
every little thing that you could possibly think of. And then like some of the marketing automation to support it. And long story short, we ended up launching like a six week transformation program from Advanced pharmacy. And we got 200 and I, I blank on the exact number. But it was like 250 leads. I want to say, or something, something crazy like that. I could look up the exact number, but essentially we were paying 25 cents a lead. Oh, wow. Um, That's super and cheap. yeah, it's just like, basically broke like what we thought was possible because with all these people that were like, Oh my God, like six week transformation program, I want to lose weight. Like I want to get healthier, you know, that kind of thing. And we got a lot of those people to come in sit down with the pharmacy and sign up for that program. And it was a couple hundred dollar program to do then to find some products, uh, some supplements to support them on that, on that journey. And that was kind of like our first, like, aha moment. I would say like big win per se in the pharmacy space where it was like, okay, there's legs to this. We hear a lot of pharmacies wanting to do more with their front ends, you know, working to improve their customers' health beyond just, you know, filling scripts. And so we did that a couple times at his pharmacy, got a little bit more proof of concept, ironed out some of the details and some automation. Uh, because that first round, it was like, we got the emails, we got the contact information, it was just like, hey, everybody pick your 25 and call them and schedule them. Because this was like, kind of like, not pre- but before like universally accepted and utilized like acuity scheduler and like a lot of these like tools that you can use to get people to like auto schedule for you. But because we had no idea what demand would look like, we had, we didn't really set up a lot of these automations. So once we kind of worked out a lot of these kinks, then because of my dad's pharmacy um, and their size and their reach um, and relationships with other pharmacies, we started to have some other pharmacies reach out. Uh, and then because we built so much structure, for my dad's pharmacy, it just made sense to kind of market ourselves a little bit and try to work with pharmacies because we poured, you know, hours and hours and hours into these different resources. So we knew that they were, if they were val valuable to my dad's staff um, and his large pharmacy, that they'd likely be really helpful to us, you know, a smaller pharmacy comparatively or any pharmacy really. So that's kind of how Growth Farm started. Uh, it's since evolved quite substantially into a lot more than just like this one, one trick pony, like, you know, six week transformation program. Right. Um, right. But that's, uh, you know, before we kind of maybe get into everything that is how we met each other, um, oh, absolutely. Yep. was because yep. of that. Yeah. I can remember the, uh, the onboarding call for, uh, doing those six week programs. And at first I was like, all right, yeah, we can do this. Like I'm big into the fitness space. I, you know, I really like, like working out and then we just were like a, a really good partnership because I had been pushing it actually for, you know, probably about a year and a half beforehand. And then it was just like the right fit. Um, but I still couldn't believe, you know, in my small town of a, you know, a thousand people that I could hardly handle the, the volume of, of, of patients who wanted to be seen and be helped. Um, and then I think from there, like, you know, uh, I started getting really busy. I took a promotion moving up to the clinical services manager um, and then I would just ran out of time. Uh, I think a lot of pharmacies really struggle with that bandwidth issue. Um, but then from there, it was kind of like, I didn't hear from you. I didn't, you know, I wasn't reaching out. You didn't really reach out cause we were doing kind of different things at the time. And, uh, I think one of the, one of the times I was like, Hey, Chris, you know, if you ever need like a pharmacist perspective, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to help in any way. And, uh, I think what? Maybe uh, uh, yeah, a few months later, you're like, Hey, by the way, uh, I'm looking for a pharmacist. If you, you know, want to come along and, um, 
I think for me, that was one of those times and you hear this all the time uh, with a lot of different entrepreneurs is you get to this point in your life where you have to make a decision and it's like, is, is this risk? And, and you'll, you can take that, this concept into the, your pharmacies too. Sometimes you have to take that risk in order to grow. Uh, and it was definitely a, a risk. I was like, I have to take this and it doesn't matter what happens. Um, cause like, you know, I ended up leaving my position at work. You know, I went what a couple of weeks without a job. Um, and then kind of fell into my, my role at Keystone. So you take those risks and, and you start to see those rewards. And I think, uh, that's where we, we talk about those frameworks. Uh, yeah. and it definitely, definitely helps us grow. Yeah. So not to get into that, but to kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, so Logan and I worked together with the kind of six week transformation program, ran it a couple of times where I gained a ton of respect for you. Logan was, you know, you weren't the only pharmacy within this group that was supposed to be kind of doing this same program. You probably had the odds stacked against you the most. Uh, but you were the most successful of all the pharmacies that we worked with. Um, and it was never like a question of like, I, or it was never just that feedback that we, that we get sometimes for, you know, especially when we were small and we were kind of taking on necessarily whoever we could as a client. Um, we never got that excuse, you know, from you because there, there are a lot of valid excuses that come up in a pharmacy that come up in life. And for you, for, you know, 99.9% of the time, it was like, nope, like, I'll figure it out. Just like, send me the customer, send me the business, like, I'll, I'll manage it. You know, so you were one of the first pharmacies, there was a couple others as well, but you were one of the first pharmacies that like, we really clicked with and got results with. And it was like, okay, it's not just my dad's pharmacy. It's not just my dad's staff that I had like rapport with. It was I can take a complete stranger in any market, and we can drive them some leads to their business, we can coach them on how to work with these patients, and how to you know, ultimately produce amazing outcomes. I think, you know, probably your old Facebook page, if we went and dug it up, has some great testimonials still. I'm sure you have yeah. a bunch of, you know, old texts and things like that from the patients that you worked with. Um, but it was, it was a really cool moment for us just in knowing that we could do it um, and just kind of breaking that belief that we might've had that like, maybe we only pulled this off because of our relationship. You know what I mean? With, with my dad's and existing, his existing pharmacy, his existing staff. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause, um, we were pretty, uh, we, the, the pharmacy I was at, we were the largest or second largest independent pharmacy chain. Um, and really for, for my, uh, population size, like I said, about a thousand to 1500 people that lived in that town. Um, and we were the second number, you know, sales in the, in the whole chain. Um, and some of our pharmacies are in towns of a hundred and 50,000 plus individuals. So, um, definitely can say that you have to have the work behind it to make things work. Uh, but that's with anything. It's just like a marriage. You can't expect a marriage to work if only one individual is putting in that time. Um, so. Yeah. And then, and then from there, um, it went well, you know, we, we got you some results, um, worked your way kind of up a little bit within the organization that you're at because of you know, some of the results that we were able to achieve together, but a lot of, I'll be frank, the work that you did outside of just our relationship, but it kind of came to a head a little bit of, you know, if you wanted to work with Growth Farm, kind of had to kind of make a decision because there wasn't an opportunity to stay with your organization and kind of work with us for, uh, you know, some different reasons. But, um, you know, long story short, I convinced, I, I wouldn't even say convinced really, because it was like, I mean, it was a pretty back and forth conversation. I tried to make it as like, just as a friend, here's what it kind of seems like would be best for you. 
right. but make this decision based on you, your family, and your circumstances. Uh, long story short, Logan ended up leaving his his pharmacy that I was at. at. Um, he was without work for what probably you know a couple weeks, um, and I think like right away it was like I got this, like no big deal, like I could you know like this is the right decision, and then like. A little bit later, it was like, oh, my God, am I ever going to get a job? Um, so that was always fun, like getting those Slack messages and kind of like not talking you off a cliff, but like I like partially felt responsible, you know. So it was like, all right, like I got to I got to help, like, you know, manage these flames a little bit. Uh, but obviously landed on your feet, got started at a, at a great pharmacy where you're at now and, you, you know, are able to do a lot more than you were able to before. So I think you would agree that it worked out for the best. But oh, no, as, yeah, absolutely. how quickly, I guess, Logan and I have come in, in a short amount of time, you know, from just, hey, you're a client to like, hey, I think you should leave where you're at and also work for us and be without work because you're like part time with us kind of on a, on a consulting basis. And then, right. um, you know, long story short, you're at a new place. You love it. And now we're doing this podcast. So pretty crazy journey. Yeah, that's that's pretty full circle. I mean, I can definitely tell you that, that those two weeks, uh, you know, having young kids, it was very nerve wracking because you're just like, oh my gosh, like, am I still gonna be able to provide for them? And you know, definitely having those uh, fanning out those flames was <laughs> definitely beneficial. Um, yeah. So then now that we're like we're kind of moving forward, you know, obviously uh, I've joined the team. You know, we're continuing to do all these other things with all these pharmacies. What kind of the, is, is the end goal for Growth Farmer? What is its goal to to help these pharmacies? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big one. Um, I think the end goal is so malleable. I, I don't know what it looks like. I mean, I think some people probably start businesses with the goal of like, hey, I want to own it, I want to flip it. You know, I want I want to get to X revenue and then I want to flip it in like five years. Um, I really like the game of business. So I don't foresee like that. That's not a part of like my vision of like, I want to get to some like level and then you know mm -hmm. sell the business or something like that. Um, I think my goal would be at first it started out just like a desire to help my dad. And then as you build relationships with your clients and people, and you start to learn the characters behind the space and like their true love for their patients and their people that they serve, I think you're, kind of goal or at least mine has kind of transitioned from, you know, helping just my dad and, and then like, you know, whatever else happens, great. Um, to wanting to help all the, the clients that we serve. Um, I didn't know a ton about pharmacy getting into pharmacy, you know, so it was like, as we've continued to spend more time in the space, obviously working with you, working with a lot of our clients, we get to know a lot more of like all the layers to this, crazy onion, um, if you will. Um, right. Right. But I, I would say the goal is pharmacies do offer an amazing service, but I think where they lose is they get out marketed and they get out business. Um, and I say that kind of like, you know, in air quotes with the out business, but it's, it's not for a lack of like your service or care, um, or, you know, patient, you know, experience. It's just that who you're going up against are better at marketing, are better at acquisition, have access to more capital, and are better at, you know, just like understand business more. And so I think that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking with clients about it or really try to offer that perspective of is uh, just the business side. Because that, to me, is so left out of a lot of pharmacy conversations. Um, 
I think a lot of people in the pharmacy space feel awkward about making a profit or feel bad about having margins above like 50%. Like it's crazy to me when you talk with the pharmacists, um, pharmacy owners, et cetera, and like supplements with like 50% margins. It's like, oh man, that's supplements are awesome. You know what I mean? Cause like they have good margins. Like in some industries, like gross margin is like 80%. Like you, you know, kind of like a, a belief is like charge what it's worth. You know, and, and um, when you're going up against these large companies, like they're thinking about dollars and cents. And I think what we try to do is just remind pharmacists that you have to know the business side to be able to continue to do what you love. And I think there for a long time, it's just been a, if I'm just good to my patients and good to my people, like I'm fine. Um, but I think with especially a lot that's going on with like technology and just advancement of the world in general, like it's a lot more challenging of a landscape. And so that just doesn't cut it. It's not a local market. Take care of your patients. You're protected. Like people can take your patients and take your business from you from anywhere in the world. Right. Um, there's mail order pharmacies and things like, that. you know what I mean? Like, so you have to just be a lot more savvy because your competition aren't the people across the street that you can see. They are right. people that you can't see. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think what really rings true is in pharmacy school, we don't learn about the business side. Or if you do, it's it's because you're taking like an MBA course on the side and, and that's why. Um, but I know when I graduated, there was no business talks. I, I didn't really learn too much about, you know, setting up things like contracts or, or anything like that. Um Granted, I had worked retail since I was 18, and so I'd, I'd been in pharmacy for a long time, but I'd always worked large chain retail where it was it was a numbers game. Um, and I think with independent pharmacies, you know, we often are so focused on, on the patient side that we forget that we're still running a business. Completely. And so, um, you know, a lot of times you have that guilt. Like, I remember just the other day I was talking with a patient, and one of the things that they said to me is, oh... Well, that's really expensive. And we were talking about, uh, you know, a transformation kind of program, uh, where I walk them through and I do their supplements and look at their hormones and all that fun stuff. And, um, at the end of the time I said, Hey, you know, six months, it's going to cost you right around eight ninety nine. And like the look on their face just dropped. They're like, this isn't free. It's like, well, no, you're getting my expertise and, and, you know, your medications and everything else. And, um, at the end of the day, I had to remind myself, it's just a business, even though like my heart wanted to be like, it's free. Here you go. Um, you just can't do that, especially with DIR fees and, and our profits are, go are going down. So definitely, uh, definitely can really feel that statement that you had. Definitely. It's, um, I see a lot of similarities to, you know, from pharmacists and a lot of them kind of have a similar story. Correct me if I'm wrong, Logan, where it's like you work at a chain you get treated poorly, you get frustrated and say, I can do this. And then you open up your own pharmacy and then, you know, the, the role and responsibility of what you had to do inside of, you know, that chain, you know, you forget about all the other parts of the business, right? Like right. the, you know, there's the patient acquisition side, there's like the talent recruiting and like hiring and like culture and managing a team, you know, there's obviously like the HR and all the back end and all the paperwork. And like, there's all those like, hidden expenses that, that no one like 
knows even exists, and, but they but they go to start their pharmacy, you know. And so I think whether you're listening to the, this podcast and you haven't started your pharmacy yet, you're considering it, or even if you're a pharmacy owner currently, I know that in continued episodes, kind of laying the land a little bit here with this episode, like we're going to have some some titans, I guess, in this space that you're going to learn from. And I think there's going to be some things that we even say that uh, that you're going to learn from as well. So just that that business piece is so important because there's a difference between like a business and a passion, right? Like if you want to go to the park on your Saturdays and talk to people and like counsel them on things for free, you can, right? But at the end of the day, when you run that business and you have employees and they have salaries and they have families that they need to support, like you have to run the business like a business um, right. because the business needs what it needs, regardless of your your personal feelings, you know, and I think like, that's also a hard pill for people to get, to get over. It's like your personal desires don't matter. You go, you, you know, like you can go bankrupt with a great heart, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people absolutely. do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's just too easy. It's too, too easy to go down that road, especially like when I've, every time I've moved up another ladder in my career, you see that like the HR, the benefits, like you don't realize that all those things go into making your business um, or even kind of what kind of services you want to offer. So things like, are you going to do uh, pouch packaging or are you going to offer compounding? Are you going to do, you know, all these different things? Because then you have to think about, okay, well now I have all these laws and regulations I need to follow if it's USP 800 or if I'm pouch packaging and I'm doing supplements, like what's the beyond use dating for that? Uh, things that you just don't necessarily think about. And it does take up um, some time and, and, and there's a big learning curve to it. So I think that's like another piece that we're trying to solve with the podcast is, you know, not only learning from others' experiences, whether it's a win or a loss, but um, kind of setting it up so you can accelerate your business much quicker uh, than kind of, you know, taking on each of those individual aspects, uh, in your journey. For sure. And I think part of, part of what the podcast will be with guests and, you know, our conversations for sure. And I think something that we always kind of manage with clients, I know you and I kind of like joke and butt heads on stuff, uh, about this too, is like, not every opportunity is worth chasing, you know? Right. And I think the other kind of like damaging thing of like podcast or not podcast, um, you know, some of these trade shows and, you know, kind of people in the pharmacy space, it's like, sometimes they're talking about opportunities that like best case scenario could be worth like a thousand dollars to your pharmacy a month. You know what I mean? It's like, so like you put all this time and attention in and like the upside potential is very limited. And so I think a lot of what we do with clients, is like, okay, what are all the opportunities that we you know, all the past forward, right? Because if the goal is to make the pharmacy more profitable, that's a super broad question. There's a lot of ways that we can attack that. We can reduce expenses, you know, we can increase revenue, we can, you know, make adjustments so that you have a little bit more cash with like inventory and stuff like that. So I think a lot of times some of the most, you know, common advice, you know, that I, I guess I see online isn't the, isn't the best. And so a lot of times we're like reworking with clients, probably some stuff that they've heard uh, and just helping them better focus uh, on the things that are actually gonna move the needle because there are a bunch of little things that you can do in your pharmacy and there's a bunch of buzzwords and there's a bunch of companies that are gonna tell you do X, Y, Z and make a little bit of money and that's fine. But like the opportunity cost matters too. 
And so if you're focusing on this super small opportunity, pouring your heart and soul into it, like great if you love it, but if it's for the purpose of growing the business or you really need it because of the current profitability of the pharmacy, like the decision you said no to, to say yes to this one, you know, it, like it, it could be the, the wrong decision. You know what I mean? So I think right. that's part of what this podcast would be as well. It's like, what are the best pharmacies focusing on? Right. Cause there's a lot of stuff that other people are focusing on that just doesn't have the legs to it, you know, long-term. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Sometimes. And, and I would take this from like, even like social media and like TikTokers and things of that nature is sometimes it's not bad to follow the trend that everyone else is doing. Uh, because clearly it's working. Um, and sometimes I think, at least in my, my kind of journey is that I'm like, Oh, I want to do this really cool thing. Like it sounds really awesome. And it has all these really interesting and dynamic pieces. But if no one's ever heard of something like that, it's going to take a lot longer to build. Um, and so that time to be profitable or, or to get that ROI, is going to take much longer. For sure. Uh, not to say that it's not for still a good cause, but you know, I think that's, that's definitely a good uh, point to, to take away with. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I guess to wrap that point up a little bit, just cause it's hit me, it kind of reminds me of like stock investing. And I say that like with an asterisk, I, I guess like Charlie Munger and, you know, Warren who are you know known as some of the best investors of all time. Like if you look at a lot of their portfolios, like they would be considered quote unquote boring companies. Right? Like they're investing in like Coca-Cola and like the innovation isn't crazy, right? Like our Heinz ketchup or, you know, like oil companies. I mean, like it's boring, right? right? But they're profitable and it's a good stock to own. And so they are okay with owning unexciting businesses and just holding them for a long period of time. I think that's the other thing that pharmacy owners, business owners, people in general struggle with, which is like, because we, it's our own business and we want to, you know, maybe stimulate ourselves, et cetera, we end up chasing the exciting opportunities instead of just continuing to do the boring ones that are producing the results, right? Like it's boring to build your medicine program, but it's a good idea, right? Like it's probably boring to do like a really extensive, like hiring process or meet with your team and, you know, like really iron out culture or, you know, optimize your adherence of your patients, you're maximizing refills and revenue, or like taking a look at your revenue per square foot of your front end, like boring, but like the right decision, you know? And so that's, that's part of it too, I guess, to drive the nail in a little bit deeper. Right. No, absolutely. Um, I think, and that kind of brings me to our, our next kind of point is, when we're looking at doing some of these investments and, in, in, you know, there's so many different people out in the space right now that have these programs or one-offs that are going to make you a bunch of money or be profitable. Um, but when it comes back to, to growth farm, I guess um, the biggest question that a lot of people have is like, how am I going to make my money back? How am I going to get my ROI? You know, right now I really can't afford to market. Um, kind of what is your explanation to that? Yeah, I think there's, couple things. So like one, I would argue you can't afford not to market, you know, like I, I could spend a lot more time on that, but I would argue that you can't afford not to market. That'd be like the first thing, um, because we know what not marketing and not promoting your business ultimately leads to. And that is, you know, obscurity and lack of awareness. 
and with lack of awareness and someone else filling that void in your community or in your city or wherever you live, like eventually patients go towards where they're getting more attention. You know what I mean? So like, I think you can't afford not to market. Now, depending on your cash at your pharmacy, obviously you might have to attack your marketing a little bit differently. Um, I think that there's some, you know, especially if you're like open with your marketing company that you're talking to, like they should have some kind of tricks up their sleeve for like some short-term things that could like generate cash quickly. And then kind of walking through like some long-term things that you should just be continuing to do. Uh, and so I think that's something that we try to balance with our, our pharmacies and our clients, which is like, let's attack the short-term opportunities if they're easy and they're there and we can make a lot of money. Um, but if not, then we try to focus on like what are the long-term like asymmetric return strategies, you know, from a marketing perspective that will benefit us for, you know, months and years versus like something super quick. So for example, when we got started in marketing, we did a lot of like Facebook ads for clients. That was kind of like what we can do. We can run ads for you. We can generate leads and you know, that's great. Um, the problem with that is like the second the ads are off, like you don't get a lot of benefits. Um, and it, it's limiting, right? Um, and so, you know, when we take a look at pharmacies now, it's like, sure, if we can run ads for something and generate a bunch of cash, like, let's do it. But if not, then like, let's take a look at like, what's going to help your site traffic long-term? What's going to like help your overall, like online presence long-term? Let's take a look at like your Google reviews, like a lot of these like foundational things that like will benefit you no matter what you're doing. Right. So like if your Google reviews suck or your Facebook reviews are terrible and you run ads for quite literally anything and then they click on your Facebook page and you have horrible reviews, do you think that's going to make everything that you're trying to do a little bit harder? Oh, absolutely. Right. Same thing with Google, right? Yeah. You know, like if your Google like reviews are terrible, what like, what do you think like more exposure is, is going to do? It's just going to bring more people to see that. And then more people will be like, ah, I don't know if I should check out this place. Right. Um, and then same thing goes with your website, you know, so we take a look at like website speed and like content and a lot of like boring stuff, but it'll make everything else that you're trying to do harder, if not optimized. And so like, those are a lot of the places that we start with pharmacies. Um, and then part of it is just like a conversation with them of like, if we're going to be like your marketing arm, your marketing person, um, uh, and not to get into like the pricing or anything like that, but like the way we're priced and the services that we offer like good luck finding someone full-time at your pharmacy that could do the extent of all the things that we do. Oh, absolutely. Like there's, just, yeah. there's just no chance you'd pay five X what you're paying us, you know? So it's like, um, if you plan on being in your pharmacy, you plan on owning it for a long period of time. then like, let's, let's make decisions like we have that runway. You know, I, there's a Keith Cunningham story that he says, that's really good where it's like the more time you have, the better decisions, uh, you can you make the more decisions that you have, right? So for example, if I said, Logan, you have to lose 30 pounds in five minutes. The question is not like, how far can I run in, in those five minutes to lose 30 pounds? It's what limb am I cutting off? Right. Right. Cause that's like, you have limited time. You have to cut off 30 pounds. Like, like, what am I getting rid of? What am I quite literally chopping off? Um, and so I think like sometimes businesses operate as if they have five minutes and it's like, you don't, you know, you don't. So like, why are we? even debating some of these options, Is that, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I really, 
it, it's so hard sometimes to, um, to, to know exactly how quickly you're going to make money back. Right. You know, every time I look at a new product or more or a new like service, um, I was like, Hey, am I really going to get my ROI? Um, and I think a lot of companies always will do like, oh, we can make it, you know, back within 30 days. But what happens after those 30 days? And I think that's kind of what Growth Farm does a good job about saying we have some short term, we have some long term, uh, which is, is definitely nice to nice to see and have. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I really like that aspect of the company. Um, and then one thing to play off, um, you know, something that you hinted at um, with, with understanding like SEO and, and, uh, you know, how Google works and all that, like, those are things that most pharmacists probably have no idea. Like when you talk to them, I'm assuming that they have no, like, I, I know for myself, like when you said SEO, I was like, yeah, cool. I don't know what that means. Yeah, definitely. So again, that goes back to the whole, like getting out marketed out business. Right. So like a lot of your competitors, these chains, like have, extensive marketing departments and have extensive like analytics departments and just are super dialed in, you know? And, and so I think even if you hate them, you can learn from them. Right. And so I don't think it's productive to be just negative towards the chains. Um, I think you can learn from them. And so that's just a mindset that, uh, that we've tried to adopt. Um, and so like if they are tracking, like revenue per square foot. And they're taking a look at like, if this end piece performs well, you know, like what are the adjustments we're going to make? Like pharmacy should be making those same decisions, you know, as well, or should be tracking a lot of that same data. Cause there's a reason why they do it. Right. So right. Uh, part of the reason why I have the, you know, the bookshelf behind me and spend the time that I do and, and, you know, learning from other industries is one, it's fascinating, but two, you can learn a lot from them and then just pull them into your space. And I think um, that's what we try to do for our clients because understandably running your pharmacy can be like being a full-time firefighter. And so if you feel like you don't have time to advance your, your knowledge from a business perspective, one, I think you could probably find the time, but like the other side of me would be like, okay, like then we're going to be that source for you. You know, we're going to be a right. place where you can come to, you can get that, that guided advice. We're not going to have all the answers, but at least I pride myself in probably being able to ask some pretty insightful questions that maybe will at least make you think about things twice. Right. right. Um, another way to put it is like, we can't smell our own bad breath. Right. And so if you don't have anyone to listen to, to talk to, like you'll never have someone tell, you no in your business as a business owner, right. Cause your staff's too scared. Your employees are too scared. You know, your, your spouse might not know enough or, you know, depending on that relationship might not say anything, you know, whatever the case may be, but like, we try to be that, you know, and that's why we also have people that do that for us. Right. Right. Cause I mean, how many, how many pharmacists, uh, on average, like, would you say you work with at a time? Well, since, since really getting into the space, I mean, we're well over a hundred now, um, actively it ranges since because of a variety of variables, not like client success. We've actually been really, really good with retention. Uh, but there's just some companies that we work with where like, it's just an established short-term relationship that we have with the pharmacies. So like if we mm. count those, you know what I mean? Like it, that can be really fluctuating depending on their business. Um, but it's, it's a lot, right? Um, on a consistent basis, you know, we're working with, you know, probably 50 plus pharmacies every single month. 
Um, and over the course of the past couple years, you know, it's, it's been hundreds for sure. Right. And so when you, when you have these meetings, right, we kind of talked about my backstory of like kind of, uh, lighting kind of almost like a fire in a way, like, Hey, we can make, if we can make this, you know, this one guy work, we can make this work a lot of other places. Now, when you sit down and you have these like initial kind of meetings with these pharmacists, do you know kind of which ones off the back, like are going to kill it and which ones are probably not going to do so well? Um, and if so, like, what are the traits that you're consistently seeing from like the winners? Yeah, I, I would say yes, but I've also been surprised before, you know, um, not overly surprised. Like I can probably sniff it out pretty quickly. Um, there's a book called who that's all about like hiring and like, basically there's a, a concept. I forget like all the details of it, but it basically says like, you know, an a player when you see one. You know what I mean? Like it's very rarely where like you thought someone was a B and then they turn out to be an A. Like that happens infrequently. It could definitely happen. But for the most part, like you can you can figure it out. Um, I'd say like the difference between the conversation we have with pharmacies where I know it's going to be a fit is it, probably like the onboarding portion because they're just like quick signs is like they're very eager to get going and they're also very responsive in terms of getting us what we need to get them going, right? Um, and also implementing. Like when we suggest timelines and there's no pushback, that's also a good sign, right? Because it's just like, a, okay, I'll figure it out. Like, and, and we're not the agency where it's like, we just want to put more on your plate. But, you know, if we establish that something is a good idea and it, like it's worthwhile to pursue and, you know, whatever, you know, if your immediate response is like, yep, I'm with you, but like, let's start it next month. Like, that's probably like a telltale sign that like, that's probably like a consistent thing that goes on in your business um, on a frequent basis, right? And I think a lot of times we know what to do. That's like the crazy thing uh, in some ways, what I feel like I am for, for some of our clients is like, some of our clients know what to do, but like we are the uh, like partial accountability partner that make it happen, right? Um, and I think if we think of a lot of the areas of our life, you know, that we want to improve, we probably know what to do. It's just doing it that for some people is really, really hard. And so, we try to hold you to timelines. We try to hold you just accountable to the things that you said you were going to do. Um, and, you know, instill those character traits or continue to build upon those character traits that you're going to need to be successful. Because um, it's not the idea that is so crazy. Like I can promise you with our clients and the things that they're doing well, like it's not these, not always groundbreaking ideas. A lot of them are just like super boring, but it's the execution. And that's the difference, right. you know? Well, I think so many of those pharmacies that tend to say like, I'll do it next month is they have generally have like bandwidth issues, um, you know, and, and it may be that their team kind of underperforms or, um, you know, it's, you know, something that I hear consistently from a lot of different pharmacies is that, you know, they don't have time and it's always like, always relates back to time. Well, I don't have time to do this. So what, you know, besides, you know, patient conversations and phones and things that you can control, like how is your team really utilizing their time? Are they having these big, lengthy, dramatic conversations? And, um, you know, are they, you know, taking too much time on their phone? Like, I think something that, that always kind of interests me is, is looking back at your team and, and like reevaluating and kind of adjusting someone's time saying, okay, my med sync program isn't very good. Kind of like you mentioned before and trying to make it more efficient, doing that boring work, um, to make that time so you can do, uh, you know, different programs and things of that nature. Completely. And that's where we kind of get into like the different skill sets, right? Of like 
owning your own business. Like you, you worked at a chain, you're a pharmacist, you've, you know, managed the floor, you've been, you know, you've been the pharmacist in charge before, like awesome. Now there are a ton of other skills that you need to run a successful pharmacy. One of those is time management, right? You can't keep saying yes to things. You have to say no to things. Or, and if you say this, yes to something, you might have to say no to something that you were previously saying yes to, right? If you can follow those words. And then also like delegation um, and, and utilizing your team and the leverage. I mean, that is quite literally what like hiring and having employees is for is to increase your leverage. And so if you don't delegate and you don't um, have a good process and you micromanage and you can never really like stay out of projects and really like have people own their business or own their job, um, it's going to be really, really hard to do anything. And so I think that's like also something that we see with our clients um, or pharmacies we work with or pharmacies that we don't difference between successful and not is like they have great teams. You know, the best pharmacies have great teams. My dad would speak highly, highly, highly of so many of his people. And so many of them have been there so long. Um, and I think part of that too, is something that we talk about with, um, in one of the groups that we kind of run, um, is a lot of times growth is only painted as like an upside for the owner. It's like grow my pharmacy to put in a pool next summer. Cause I'm making more money, right? Like it's always painted as like, we're just growing the business cause you want some more personal stuff. And if you're like, Hey, Chris, I love my personal life. Like I don't need more. Like I would say that's the big mistake. Um, one, I, one, I think I could get so much into like personal, personal finances. I think you need more than probably you're anticipating. I think a lot of people like personal finance, quick side note, only like plan for enough. If there's nothing crazy or nothing that like pops up, um, right. in their life. So it's like, what's the minimum amount I need to retire? Like, I think that's a horrible question to ask. Second thing though, and where I was originally going, which is, if your dream of your business is only big enough to support your goals and like what you need to make and what you want to have for your personal life, you'll never keep top talent because right. they're looking for opportunities where they can realize their goals. And so if they can't realize their goals inside of your business, they're gone. Right. And so I think that is part of the issue. And one of the things that, again, my dad and we'll have one of future podcasts has done really well is he's grown his business enough where he can continue to pay well and he can continue to, you know, increase hours for certain people if they need more hours or, you know, give out bonuses or whatever. Like he can make literally like dreams of his employees real, right? Or possible. And so that's like such a big piece that I try to stress to these pharmacy owners is like, if you're comfortable with your with where you're at, I think if we went deeper on that, you shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, that it's kind of a big piece to retention. I think if you can continue to develop your team and, and, you know, let's say you have somebody who's really interested in nutrition, pay for them to get like more education in it, because the more that they know, the more that they can help your patients and the more that they help their, your patients, probably the more profitable you're going to be. Um, so even if you're paying them a couple bucks more a year, uh, or, you know, a couple bucks more per hour, I should say per year, it's probably going to be worth it in the end. Plus then you're not having to retrain somebody new. I mean, you have all these different aspects. If you just can keep your pharmacy members, uh, on your team and you can give them skills that they can continue to stack and grow, it's only going to help grow your business. Completely. But, but the, the argument that always is made against that, which is the wrong argument is, well, what if I pay for all this stuff and then they leave me? Right. 
And the correct way to look at it is what if you don't invest in your employees and they stay? Right. You know I mean? Like that's, that's the worst scenario, right? Like no one wants bad employee. Sorry. It's like the most exhausting thing in the world is when you don't have a, a good employee or, you know, they're difficult that they screw up or whatever the case may be. So like invest in the ones that are great or help develop the ones that aren't great in the first place and make them a little bit better. I mean, maybe you shouldn't have hired them in the first place. You know, that's a whole other thing, but like, if you don't invest in your employees, like I, I can guarantee you the top ones will leave, but also if they stay, I would argue that's, that's even worse. Right. And that's right. where a lot of businesses find themselves in. Nope. I, to I totally agree on that. Totally agree. Um, which, so, you know, we, we talk to these pharmacies and, and we look at different areas that they should be kind of focusing on, whether it's, you know, team development or e-commerce or, you know, marketing, what would be, you know, some of the top areas that you would tell, uh, you know, a new client to really focus in on? Yeah, I think first where we start with clients is like groundwork, like the cleanup, right? So we're taking a look at, again, all the, what are all the foundational things from like a marketing perspective that regardless of what you're trying to promote, are going to be negatively affected if we don't clean up, right? So like, for example, um, like if your website's slow, that's gonna hurt everything you're trying to do from like a local SEO, SEO standpoint, it can just make everything harder. Um, if your Google reviews are bad, it's gonna make everything that you're trying to do a little bit harder. If your Facebook reviews are bad, it's gonna make everything you're trying to do a little bit harder. So like, those are some of like the super basics, right? Then beyond that, and after we kind of clean those up, you know, ultimately the problem that we're trying to solve, and it's kind of like, I've heard it expressed as like the new oil is the attention problem. Pharmacies do a lot of great things. I think a lot of their struggles are from a lack of awareness um, or a lack of like attention, right? So like, can't tell you how many times we work with clients and like, we've been here for 30 years and we still have patients that walk in and say like, I've never heard of you before. Like, and they're like flabbergasted. It's like, Hey, Tom, like if we look at your online presence, like you, they wouldn't know, like, just look at the data. Like you're literally invisible on local SEO. Right. Um, so again, like the foundational stuff matters. And then it's like, okay, where can we get you attention? Right. And, and what are we getting attention for? Cause I think, like, if you look at influencers as an example of someone to learn from, you look at personal brands, et cetera, right? Like, once you have attention, everything else after that is easier, right? Like, The Rock has attention. The Rock comes out with tequila. The tequila is an instant hit. The tequila brand is now valued at multiple billions of dollars. Do you think it's the tequila just being so damn good? Or do you think it's the attention then matched with a, you know, fairly decent product, right? Conor McGregor comes out with proper 12, Kylie Jenner comes out with lipstick or makeup or what have you. Like the first problem is the attention piece, right? And so that's where we really try to help our clients. And if we have to, we'll pay for it. We'll spend money on ads. If we don't have to um, pay for it, we'll take a look at organic options like blog and social content. A big one that we're promoting for a lot of our clients or pushing is like short form content number of pharmacies that have done really, really well with creating TikToks and Facebook videos and YouTube shorts and things like that to get attention and get outside of their limited geographic reach. Um, I think those are really great opportunities for pharmacies right now. And then once you have the attention, we're really good at monetizing it. Um, 
So that goes into like, what is the customer journey? How do we make sure that the, the lead nurture is phenomenal? So you take as many people that are interested, convert them into as many appointments or phone calls as possible. And then what does the phone call script look like? And like, what are we saying? And like, what's our offer? And then like, how are we onboarding? And then how are we fulfilling on this service? And then how are we upselling or cross-selling them into other services that the pharmacy or products that the pharmacy provides, right? Like that's kind of the, the 10,000 foot view um, way that we look at pharmacies and how we kind of address our clients. So hopefully that, that answers it. Um, but again, I think, I, think, so. I think that's like every business, right? Like right. clean up the easy stuff, figure out like how you can get attention and then like, what are you going to promote? And then, you know, how are you going to fulfill and you know, what's the, the business model behind it going to be? But I think most focus on like the, what are we going to offer? And like all these customer resources, we're going to like create stuff like that, but they don't have attention. And so like, that's why you go to a lot of pharmacies websites right now and you'll see like 10 different programs that they offer, but you call them and you're like, how many people do you have enrolled? And it's like three. It's like, okay. Like maybe just like adding more programs isn't the solution. Like it's, it's an attention thing first. Like we need to solve that problem. Um, Cause you're wasting time building out these programs that no one's enrolled in. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think kind of one of the, the highlights that I'm kind of really picking up on is, is social media and, um, you know, the internet. And I think, you know, we kind of already know that the internet's not going away and it's going to further develop. I mean, we've got meta, you know, doing all their stuff. Um, you've got, you know, the, the, the W3, right. Web three coming, um, you know, what, what do you think the role right now with social media is in pharmacies? Yeah, I think, well, I think one thing is it's definitely something that needs to be leveraged. Um, I think if a pharmacy struggles at it, I think that's a more telling thing than anything. Um, hmm. what do you in say the that? sense of like, like, if you struggle at like creating video content, talking into a camera, explaining something, it could just be that you struggle in front of like lights, camera, action. Like that could be a part of it, definitely. But it could also be that if your content doesn't do well, then like maybe you're not that good at like sales or storytelling mm -hmm. or just like being engaging. And so like, I think one of the beneficial things of like, social media is one, like all the upside potential, but I think it also can do a lot in like teaching us things around like, well, what are people interested in and how do I hold someone's attention and what about motivates them to buy? And like, why do these videos do well, but mine don't. And I think it can be in some ways uh, a reflection uh, or like an ability to like look in the mirror and like get a pulse on like how engaging am I? Cause it would be no different than like, if I set up a, Let's just say every pharmacy had the opportunity to do like a 50 person in pharmacy event where you get to talk on like any subject, right? Like every pharmacy you take a thousand, they all get this opportunity and the same 50 people show up. Like we both know there's going to be much different results across those 50 pharmacy or, you know, a thousand pharmacies based on how compelling that speaker is and how compelling that subject is and how will they explain and use analogies and tell stories to talk about the service or product that they're, they're talking about. Right. And how long they keep people there before they just stand up and say, this is boring and I'm leaving. Right. Like now we're just taking it to a social media setting. And so it's very unlikely that you probably get 50 people into your pharmacy to do like a in pharmacy event. 
Um, but if you go to social media and you start talking on subjects and it's like, man, I'd get no interest or like, no one cares about this. It's like, well, maybe it could be just you and your delivery, but also like, maybe this isn't an engaging subject, right? Like part right. of the, the marketing philosophy that we try to, uh, remind our clients of is like, you can't change the desires of the market. You can only channel them towards your product. So if people just don't care about something like it is hard to fight that and make them care about it. It's much easier to figure out what do they care about? And then how do I map my product or service or get my product or service in front of the customers that care about that? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think that's how I look at social media. Um, and, and you know, you've been a, a great example of that where like when you first started, it wasn't as good. And like, now you're at the point where you like, you can be on a podcast and you can flow, you know, be conversational and like smooth. And like, I would argue you're probably always pretty good just like in our dialogue. Um, and so maybe part of it was just getting over like the lights, camera, action, speaking in front of a camera. But, like now that's right. a skill set that you've gotten better at. And like, let me ask you, Logan, when you sit down with patients, you talk to them about products or services and try to get them to buy because it's in their best interest. And so you should want them to buy. Like, do you think you're better at closing them than you were like a year or two ago? No, oh, absolutely. You know, especially when you learn so many different like frameworks. And I think a, a big piece of, you know, this is just me kind of personally, but, um, you know, at first, you know, when you start doing all these social, different social media and, and recording yourself and you're just so focused in on not making the mistake. It's not necessarily that you don't know the information or you don't know what you want to say or how you want to say it. It's just like you want to sound perfect. And I don't think you necessarily need to sound perfect. Uh, I think, you know, it's good to be human and, and make an error. I mean, I know one of my technicians were like, Hey, you had a spelling error in one of your, um, captions. I was like, yeah, that's no problem. I'm human. Like people are going to look at it and get over it. And if they say like, Oh, you spelled something wrong. It's like, could just be autocorrect. Like <laughs> people like, like get over it pretty quick because you know, by that next day, I already have another video out and then yeah. in three days that video is already sunk and no one's ever going to see it. So you kind of just get over it. And, and I, I would definitely say correlating that, um, you know, as I continue to learn and I bring up new subjects on social media, when I bring that to a in-person event now, right. It's just boom. There's no, delay because it's, it's already kind of been regurgitated out of my mouth. Um, and so for me, it's, a, it's almost like a teaching style. Uh, you know, all this, you know, social media has been, because now it's uh, like a learning teaching for myself and now I can teach it to my patients a lot easier. So hundred percent. And, and now like, would you say you're probably better at like talking to providers and you know what I mean? Like th that's why I think it's so beneficial because like it, there's like this upside of new audience, new people, new attention. But then it's like all like those skill sets are beneficial to so many things that you're already like currently doing. Right. You know, so like right. now you're going to be better with your consultations. Now you're going to be better at like all the drug induced nutrient depletion, like conversations that you're having that your patients are saying no to every time. Like, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, X, Y, Z. So I think it's a valuable skill for the business to build, to build that audience. Um, but then again, like, it's just a great, it'll, you'll develop skills that you wouldn't if you shied away from it, you know? Right. And that's why some of our clients, you know, yourself included, like have done well online, continue to do well online. And like the leverage, I don't think people realize of those audience um, is just nuts, you know? So that's a whole, whole nother rabbit hole. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, for sure. Well, and I will say kind of just to, to type on it for me, um, you know, with, with social media, it's so easy to get so much hate 
and uh, for people to kind of say like some of the meanest things. But really, I, I kind of enjoy when they do, because then I know, okay, if I have somebody in my office and I'm talking to them about this product or service, I already know some of the meanest stuff that someone's going to say to me. Like, cool. You may say, you know, go screw off or, you know, you're just trying to rip money from me. I'm already prepared for it now that I've kind of taken that first brunt uh, from the internet. Yeah, you built so up think, some, some thick skin. Right. So I think it's it's actually kind of a nice learning tool to to utilize in those inpatient meetings. For sure. And, and with that, unlike the hate piece, I think the hate can also be educational. Because, like, you know, have you seen the movie 8 Mile? Um, like, like Eminem? I don't think so. I might have seen parts. Okay, so like one of the famous lines or the like famous portions of the movie is like when Eminem like you know finally goes into his rap battle. It's been a long time I've seen it. So like if you're like an eight mile like big big fan, it's like I'm probably gonna butcher this. Don't come after me. But um, one of the big things that he does, and I forget like the technical terminology, but it's like he makes fun of himself, like as a part of his like rap and his diss, and like okay, like he basically knew all the disses he was going to get hit with. And then he like addresses it, those in his side. So that when the other dude gets the mic and it's like, your turn to diss me, it's like, you have no material. Right. So I think like the, where I was going with that with the hate is like, if you hear or see like what people are saying about a product or a service, like you could say to a patient, Hey, now I know you're probably going to go home and you're probably going to read about boom, boom, and boom. And here's why that's not true, right? Like, or here's why this would still be beneficial, right? So like you can take those like hate pieces and you can leverage them inside of your, like your sales choreography, if you will, which will again, help you close more patients. And as I always say, if it's in the patient's best interest, there should be so no negative, like association with like clothes or sales or like getting people to buy stuff. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, if that's how you can help your patient, you should do what you need to do to get them to buy, right? Like not, not hold a gun to their head or, you know, anything crazy, but it's like, <laughs> if that's how you can help them, that is better than like, I'll give you an example. So when I was first working with my dad's pharmacies and, you know, we we're kind of doing these initial conversations, six week transformation programs, et cetera, there was a lot of feedback, uh, or there was, there was a stark difference between like how kind of like the health coach was doing and how the pharmacist was doing. And believe it or not, the pharmacist was doing far worse at closing these patients. And what we kind of discovered is that like a lot of the, the dialogue was like super word vomity, which is yeah, something maybe I do a little bit, but it was a lot of like high terminology things that just truly the patient didn't understand. And then like the health coach just like made it super simple and like easy to understand. And then she got way more people to sign up. And so I think there's a lesson in that uh, as well, like simplifying and, you know, just, you know, you can kind of take some of the feedback that you get online and then you'll just be better with, I guess your, your in-person conversations is kind of where I was going with that. Like um, just, can't can't stress enough like social media is is worth pursuing because right. it's not going away like you talked about right right and then if you had to say like you know we definitely do a lot of like digging on the side or i think our just our common common interest is what's the next thing what kind of would you say would be the three platforms every pharmacy should be utilizing yeah i think 
depends what you do, but I'll kind of like address how currently in 2022, late 2022, how like the platform should probably be viewed, right? Sure. Um, so Facebook has an older audience. Meta has an older audience. It had, it's been around the longest as the most like daily active users. So like, that's a, that's a platform you can't ignore. It's a company you cannot ignore, right? Like regardless of your personal beliefs about Facebook, like probably should have a, a Facebook page and a Facebook, um, presence that's active. Um, Instagram's a little bit younger. Uh, it's still pretty popular. If you're going to be on Instagram, I think it's tough to grow with graphics. I think like overarching on all platforms, like video, video, video would be like where you need to go. Um, Facebook would be very important. I think TikTok, it's getting close to not being this way, but it's still like the wild west and there's still a ton of opportunity for virality. I think you can have viral videos on Facebook. Instagram's really hard. Um, TikTok is much easier. And then kind of like a sleeping giant, I would say as well, would be YouTube um, and YouTube shorts specifically, because I think actually long term, they'll beat TikTok and squash TikTok. And I'm not sure if like we have a conversation a year from now, how much, how big TikTok really is. It could also be big. But where I'm kind of going with that is like Google makes, Google owns YouTube, Google makes money in like a billion different ways. TikTok makes money in like one. So like, it's just easier for YouTube to, to beat TikTok. Um, and it's the second biggest search engine. So I think like those would be like the three that I would say would be most important. Like LinkedIn, you're probably just going to find like business people on there. And most of the time it's just like updating you on their jobs and their careers and like, here's how great I'm doing. So like, I don't think that's one you should be spending a ton of time on. I think there's some opportunities for like maybe some provider stuff. But I think if you take a look at the social platforms as of the day of listening to this podcast, wherever it is, I would take a look at daily time spent and the age of the people that spend time on those platforms and then make a decision for your pharmacy of what's going to be best for you, right? Because if it's e-commerce, you probably want to spend time or you're doing like a lot of OTCs, a lot of supplements, you know, you can go after a younger audience than, you know, a pharmacy that's maybe focusing on, you know, anti-aging, you know, compounds or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to be as relevant to, you know, maybe a 25 year old. Right. So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I would look at the platforms whenever you listen to this episode. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think, yeah. I mean, and that's something, at least at my location, we're actually more focused on YouTube uh, or we're going to be more focused. We haven't really started those steps yet, but I really think that YouTube is going to overtake TikTok at, at some point, um, just because they're they're paying they're going to be paying their their users, uh, whereas TikTok doesn't. So, kind of my own two cents on that. Um, but then on the flip side of that, when you're talking about Facebook and um, doing video ads and, and things of that nature, um, I think a lot of things or times independent pharmacies don't think about is actually having an e-commerce side. Um, because right, you, you post about a subject and let's say we're talking about, you know, here's how you can stop your migraines and it's a, a video post. Well, the next thing that someone's gonna say is, okay, well, what's, what's going to stop that? Right. Um, how important is e-commerce in, in the pharmacies that you work with? Yeah. E-commerce is definitely one of our like bread and butters, um, for sure. For a lot of our clients that we work with, it just, I think anytime you can make things easier for the patient, easy for the end consumer, it's worth a conversation. Um, I, I don't say you want to use like a broad brush and say like it's worth pursuing, but e-commerce is typically like not that expensive to build to have, like you can, you know, 
get a Shopify store, load products. Like it's, it's really not that crazy of a concept, but it makes it far more convenient for your customers to move forward. Um, and it also expands the radius of the customers that you can serve, right? So if someone has to call your pharmacy and give your, their credit card to you over the phone to buy a couple of supplements from you, like I would bet top dollar, you're not going to get many orders that way. But if it's a couple click of a button on your website and then you ship it out to them, or you even have like a drop shipping relationship and someone ships it out for you from a fulfillment center, like that is an easy thing that, that patients will do. Um, and I think what social media has kind of shown us is like, especially with, you know, some of our clients, um, like they've gotten trust from people all across the country that don't work with their pharmacy for their prescriptions, right? On, and maybe you aren't even on prescriptions, but because of the content video specifically, because you can really showcase your expertise and really get concepts across really well with video, they now have the trust of these people. And then that trust allows, you know, or, you know, gives those people the confidence to go to the website and, and buy the products that are being recommended, you know? So I think e-commerce is super beneficial for that. I think it plays a role or would be valuable if you don't really have an audience um, just for like your existing patients for like reordering and stuff like that. You can put some people on like subscriptions. Um, but I think the other thing too, that like everyone forgets about with e-commerce uh, and I always use like Home Depot as an example is like, if I want to buy something from Home Depot, the first thing I'll do is like go on their website and then use my zip code, find the store that's closest to me. And then I'll search their inventory. And like, if they have it, cool, I'm driving there. If they don't, I'm not going. So I think e-commerce can also be beneficial because it could just give your patients visibility into stuff that you carry. And that doesn't mean to have every product on your e-commerce store because like that could be a lot of inventory if you have like tons of like gift cards or like, you know, Mother's right. Day cards and stuff, yeah. like not worth it. But it gives people visibility into what you carry and brands that you have. And so I think even for that reason alone, it would be beneficial or at least worth, worth a conversation. Well, yeah. And I think just this overall reach, I mean, let's say you post a video on TikTok about, um, nutrient depletion, let's just go there. And you're talking about metformin, how it decreases vitamin Bs. Um, also you may be getting reach across the country versus your small town, um, that we know like most independents are generally in smaller towns, um, in those rural areas with, you know, there's not as much service or those big chains. Um, but you may be shipping. I mean, I know for, for myself, we shipped across the country the other day and there was a patient I never had. We set them up and, and we just messaged, Hey, do you want us to send this to you every 30, 60 days, whatever it happened to be? And they're like, yeah. So it, now you've kind of built that new trust with, with somebody new. Um, so definitely I think e-commerce is going to be a big role, uh, as we continue to, to grow out pharmacies and, and hopefully aid them into being successful. For sure. Um, it, it is for that, for that reason right there. Like, you know, you're in a, a, a mini city, a city, if you will. So like you, you have access to people at like hundreds of thousands, you know, I'm not sure the exact population, but like if you're a small pharmacy, like you will be geographically confined unless you offer services or solutions that, you know, people can work with you from farther away. So if you don't want to be geographically confined, e-commerce would be a great place to look into. And then people anywhere in like, you know, I'll use air quotes, like wealthy zip codes and, you know, like they can order from you if they have, you know, if they trust you and they trust the recommendations. And so like, it just solves a problem that pharmacies were struck, you know, struggle with, which is like, I only have X amount of people that I can, that I can service. Well, it's like with this, the, 
sky's the limit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so with, with pharmacists not being great, I mean, cause I know for me, every time it's something new technology wise, I struggle with, um, in, in building out the business that way. Um, now with kind of the, you know, I know you mentioned earlier about, you know, you've read a lot of different books about business. What are some top business books that you would say for uh, pharmacists to read to help kind of diversify their knowledge and, and kind of help them grow? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, philosophically, the way I look at it is a couple things. First one would be it's better to read a couple books many times than it is to read a lot of books once. Cause I don't think you fully grasp them. I think that's a mistake that I've made in the past. And what I've found myself doing is like buying new books, quickly skimming them. And if I don't like, if there's not immediate value there, um, and it's kind of just a regurgitation of like other information, like it's down. Like I, like I've gone from like taking pride in how many books I've read to like not, um, cause I think at the end of the day, like that's more of a, just a pride thing and an ego thing than it is like, what's the point of books. And that's to, you know, advance your, your knowledge, your expertise, learn from people that you wouldn't be able to previously, you know, meet with, you know, et cetera. Right. So I think like, that'd be first thing I would take a look at, um, is like not being obsessed with all having all the books, but just like, what are some good core topics to learn from? The other thing I look at before I kind of address books is like who's at the top of the chain versus like learning from people just a little bit above you on the chain. So it's like, who's the top? Who's like the source as high as possible that I can learn from? Because what you'll find if you read enough books is so many people just take little snippets from everyone's books and then just like slap their own name on it because they want to have a book and they want to have a legacy piece and they want to sell and then they have their own book. It's like, well, you know, you got a little bit from here, from there, whatever. Like, what if I just go to the source, right? And so for me, that person who's been kind of like a source um, for a lot of people that read, you know, that write books um, is Keith Cunningham. So Keith, I could talk for days about, about how valuable he is and how many people have learned from him. Um, I would argue he's got a resume that many don't even compare to, um, probably forgotten more about business than most people know. So Keith Cunningham has a really good book called The Road Less Stupid. I think that's a phenomenal book because as great as books are, um, ultimately you have to do the work. And I think Keith's books, especially The Road Less Stupid, makes you ask yourself some really insightful questions. And if you spend the time thinking about the questions as it pertains to your business, you'll find some good answers. And then if you execute, you'll be in a far better position. So I like that. You don't just read things, get exposed, like quick flash in the pan, you're excited. Holy, you know, this is an amazing little phrase. I'm gonna post about it on my Instagram. It's like, like, no, let's get like really practical here and like some really engaging questions. Um, so any of Keith's books, you can't go wrong. Um, I think if you're taking a look at like marketing and like attention and like how to look at a sales process, uh, especially online. I think Russell Brunson's books are really, really good. And then kind of part two off that would be like Alex Ramosi's books. Um, just being able to generate attention and then drive them into an intended action is so valuable. And they're kind of like some of the, just like some of the best sources at breaking down those concepts. So those are a couple that come to mind. From the, from the business standpoint, there's a lot of motivational books and maybe you feel like you need that. But I think um, if you're looking for like the practical advice, 
he's at the top of my list. And then from a marketing standpoint, those would be like two, two guys I would really look to. No, definitely. I know I have, uh, both those books that you who's on. Who, yeah. Who's on your list? Um, you know, to be honest, I've only read about three quarters of the road, less traveled, uh, Real so, less stupid. That's how much you read it. <laughs> I think it's behind you too. Yeah, yeah, it is behind me. Um, but I definitely like Alex Armozzi's book. You know, hundred million dollar offers. Very simple, easy read. Um, for me, it definitely helped. You know, not only reading his book, but listening to a lot of what he has to say and and reframing those concepts. Uh, you know, especially taking it from the gym space to um, you know, you know, when I was doing my six week. Uh, weight loss challenges, like listening to somebody in that space who has done it and then taking some of those key phrases, uh, for instance, like, let me talk to my wife about that. Or, let me talk to my husband. about like, That is one that you're always going to hear over and over and over again. Um, and so, you know, taking some of the advice from his books and, and from, you know, his podcast, uh, you know, definitely helped me get through that. So I, those would be, you know, Alex would definitely be, be one. Um, from there, you know, I'm kind of more into that natural healing, uh, integrative medicine, you know, functional medicine. So, um, you know, I would read a lot more books like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten to that, that space yet where I'm, you know, doing more, more than that. But I would say, you know, other than that, reading a good book about, um, you know, developing, um, like drip sequences or like understanding some marketing, like basic marketing. I, I, you know, I, I know you mentioned Russell, um, but like understanding what a funnel is. And I think he does a really good job. I mean, obviously his whole, uh, his big plot has been, you know, click funnels and things of that nature, but, uh, kind of understanding that process and it would be really beneficial for a lot of listeners. For sure. And I think from a, if you're someone who's like, well, I don't, I'm not interested in those subjects. Like one, I'd say, well, you know, like, again, it, what is your business need versus what do you need? Like if your business needs like good marketing, well then like you need to know how to market. Right. But on the flip side, I would say you need to know enough to be able to hold people accountable. And I think that's an other, another issue within like pharmacy is mm, like, there's this absolutely. natural disdain towards marketing, but if you don't know enough to even like, talk to a marketing agency about services or talk to your marketing team member about like, Hey, how long should this take? Or how much should this cost? Cause you have no frame of reference. That's dangerous, right? Like I don't know much about cars. So when I get a quote about a car, like I'm probably going to bounce it off a couple of people that know a lot about cars and then kind of like go back and say, like, ah, is it worth it or not? Right. I need to know, otherwise I cannot hold anyone accountable. And so I think the same thing goes with marketing. If you've shied away from it, you've avoided it. One, I think your business needs it, but even if you're not going to be the one executing it, you have to know enough so that you can have dialogue and conversation with your agency or your staff member about it to be able to talk about performance. And if you don't understand the language, you can't, you know, you don't know the scoreboard, then you, you can't play the game, you know? Absolutely. Because when you're going through a hiring process, let's say you're looking for a new marketer for your pharmacy. Well, if you're trying to solve a problem, and you don't even understand how to solve the problem yourself. And you say, well, how are you going to fix this? And they rattle something off. How would you know if it's a good idea, a bad idea? You, you know, Or like, how do you follow, how do you have a follow-up question? Because 
how can you gauge whether or not they're on the right track? So I think you need to have a, a basic understanding of how those things work. Um, and it's that boring work. Like we've talked about, it's like, is reading about funnels the most interesting thing to me? No, but I know that I have to understand them. So that way when I'm trying to reach new, new patients for, um, some of my integrative medicine programs, I have to understand how that message gets to them. Yep. So, um, I definitely think, definitely think that's a good point. Um, you know, and so as we continue, you know, growing out this, this podcast, what are some, you know, topics that listeners would be, uh, definitely be interested in, in hearing about? Yeah. Well, I think moving forward, at least our initial plan with the podcast is definitely to bring on some guests. So it's not always just going to be Logan and I, you know, accompanying you maybe on your way to work or way home from work or however you listen to this. Um, but I think bringing on some top pharmacists, um, pharmacy owners and asking them some, some good questions and having some good conversation with them will be a lot of what this podcast is about. I think where we'll be different maybe from other podcasts that bring people on is I think sometimes there's a lot of like kind of tee up questions, some like, you know, basic cheesy questions. I think there's like definitely a desire of like knowing more um, or getting into deeper conversation with these pharmacy owners about really what they're doing or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think we'll definitely be the podcast to ask those questions and also challenge them too. Cause I think like you want to have a fine balance between respecting your guests, but also making sure that it's valuable to your listener and our listeners will be the reason for this podcast, not just to hear ourselves talk. Although I do enjoy that. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, I'm going to make sure that if, if they say like, Hey, do X or like, Hey, we think X is a good idea. It's like, well, why? And like drill down with them. Cause I think too many people just like offer advice and something I for sure live by and think about, which is like, someone can love you and also give you terrible advice, right? Like they can want the best for you and give you terrible advice. And you see that a lot in like families. And so the same thing can be true in business. You can like, like someone, um, personally and they can give you terrible advice or not enough information to make the right decision and so we'll make sure that if someone recommends something advocates for something is an expert on something like we've gone through all the different pieces of that puzzle so that you're informed of all, all the elements of it but then also we're addressing things like great you recommend it but how do we get patients for it and then how do we fulfill on it and then what are some things that you thought worked, but then didn't work? Or what are some things that you're doing now that you weren't doing when you first started? And then like, what does the back half look like? And what does the retention look like? Like, we're going to make sure we go through the entire customer journey so that again, you're most informed on what to do. You're most informed on how to do it. And then we're going to, like I said, in the beginning, you know, talk about tools and resources and things that are going to be able to accelerate the results, regardless of what you're trying to grow. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, I definitely think as we continue to have more and more episodes, you know, really focusing in on, you know, individuals in that space who have done well and understanding what they've done to that point, um, it's going to be really invaluable to a lot of people, you know, and it, it may not be pharmacy direct, you know, you know, some of these, you know, individuals may be, you know, an HR hiring wizard or, you know, somebody in the health coaching space that's going to help, you know, help, build out a program or, or something along those, those lines. Um, you know, because it, at the end of the day, you know, and someone's probably going to yell at me about this, but 
I don't think pharmacists are, are necessarily like the smartest people in the room. Don't take that in the wrong way. There's a lot of individuals where we need to look outside of our little box and say, teach me what you can teach me. So that way I can grow my business and kind of grow personally. Yeah. It's, it, it shouldn't matter who's right, but what's right. And so, like you said, a lot of the people that hopefully we'll bring on this podcast won't be in pharmacy because if that's the only space and the only pie that you're looking in, like I would argue, or like a person walking, looking down at the ground, and you never pick up your head and look around, you'll never see all the amazing, innovative business models, you know, acquisition strategies, retention strategies, et cetera, that are in place in so many different industries. And I don't think that's happened enough in pharmacy where outside voices have come in and really infiltrated the trade shows and like the pharmacy dialogue. And I can understand wanting to like work with other pharmacy pharmacists or PharmDs or, you know, pharmacy owners, et cetera. Like I get that. Um, cause there's like probably just like a natural respect and trust there. But I also think it's very short sighted if like the initials next to their name is how you dictate their value. Or if they're not in my industry, they don't understand my problems. And therefore like, I don't want to learn from them. You know what I mean? So again, to everyone who's listening, definitely plan on having some people outside of the pharmacy space come in and also like having them tell their story about their business, but then relating it to pharmacy. You know what I mean? Like, hey, if you own a pharmacy, you know what I mean? Knowing what you know a little bit, like, what would you do in this situation? I think we will get some really, really insightful answers from the guests that we plan on having now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think uh, cool. next next podcast is going to be with your dad uh, from TDS Pharmacy. Um, and I, I think we're going to get a, a really good uh, overview of what he's doing, how he's been so, so successful. Um, I mean, he's how long has he been in the game? Probably 30 plus years. I mean, I mean he's owned years. the pharmacy, I think, for like 30 plus years now or something like that. So he's owned a pharmacy for a long time, 25 plus years or something like that. And, you know, we'll get into all the things he does really well. But I think one of the things that probably few pharmacies can say um, is they do, you know, most recently they did like 20,000 scripts in one location in a town of 10,000 people, you know, so not a ton, of, not a ton of pharmacies. Uh, pharmacies can say that. So we should have some good conversation with, with him for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Well, until next time, uh, kind of let uh, Chris take the floor. Yeah. Wrap up the first episode. Uh, would appreciate feedback comments. You know, if we deserve it, if you feel it, uh, you would love your support, your follows, your subscriptions, you know, all that kind of stuff, regardless of the plat, you know, whatever platform you're listening on. But first and foremost would be feedback. We really care about making this valuable to you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and so any insight, any advice, any tips, et cetera, let us know. Um, everything from like how long a podcast should be to like guests that you'd love to see come on. Um, and it doesn't have to be just pharmacy. But we'll make sure that it's valuable to you as a pharmacy owner. That's, that's our promise. So we care about your time. We care about your attention. And we plan on in every episode making the most of that time. So appreciate you for listening and we'll see you on an upcoming episode.